Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Jeepers Creepers, it's Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man Redux, once again the world's only Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as usual is the man in the high castle, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? Mixed day, Doug. Having a mixed, very mixed day. A very, very combination of things. I will say, uh, there's <laughs> there's a new season of Bluey, and that's got me pretty stoked. Now, you've been telling me about this television show, Bluey, that you enjoy very much. I had not very heard much. of it, because I am not, neither a child nor do I have a child, but this is some sort of program for youth that mm-hmm. is, uh, I guess, gaining in popularity. And you have a young daughter, which is probably how you were introduced to it. That's how I started watching. I just was like, we're on Disney+. Plus. There's a thing. I don't know what it is. Let's give it a try. But interestingly, as I've kind of shared my love, a lot of people who love it also don't have kids, which is like a funny uh-huh. thing to discover. I mean, hmm. don't be wrong. I get it. And as, as you discovered, I forced our friend Joshua Alvarez to watch it, who does not have children, and he thanked me for it. So... Oh, well, that's very nice. I mean, it's it's nice to be able to share something with a little bit of hesitancy and then for someone to come back and say, I like it, as opposed to how things go in my life where I'm like, hey, my wife, Jill, this is something I enjoy. And then she'll say, this is the worst piece of shit I've ever encountered. <laughs> well, I, rec- I recommend the two of you watch Bluey. And then if you hate it, I'll know that I never want to talk to you again. Well, it's uh, your... Uh, your <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> The reason I just choked on my own words is that I was trying to slide into an Australian accent since Bluey is an Australian show, right? Awful. So Stop. It gives me an That's opportunity ter- to do uh, more Australian uh, accent. Uh, it's, it's so good. That's what you're choking on. You right forgot now. to say shrimp on the Barbie. You forgot that part. I'm not a cliche, Liam. Don't pretend I mean, that I am. You're not? We're not here to talk about Australian children shows. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. This is Eric Roberts' is The Fucking Man Redux, a podcast about the actor, the beloved actor, Eric Roberts. Uh, but we can't go it alone on this episode, Liam. In fact, we almost never do. We have a wonderful guest. And normally, at this point, Liam, I would say shut up to you, right? That's kind of our back and forth. I'd say shut up, Liam, and then i jump into it. But we got a returning guest. I need new material. Our guest today is a film critic, co-founder of the Certified Forgotten Podcast, one of my favorite people on the planet. It's Matthew Monagle. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing good. The script that you sent out described that entire last section as chat with Liam. Um, I think chat was doing a lot of heavy lifting there. There was a there's a lot of stuff that just happened that I didn't understand. It's all right. Hey, you know what? <laughs> We've got a long mythology here on our 100 plus episodes of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And people get it or they don't get it. Liam and I made a blood oath at one point. I mean, mm. I think that that Satan is involved in some way. I know that Satan, mm. you have a, a real complicated relationship with Satan, Liam, because of your uh, strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this must be real <laughs> difficult for us to, to be talking about. But let's push that aside, Matt. Mythology aside, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. I know uh, some at some point in 2019, episode, I came on and talked about Fast Sofa and The Prophecy 2, both of which were excellent decisions that I don't regret for a second. So uh-huh. 
I would have, you know what? I would have been insulted if you hadn't invited me back on to talk more about Eric Roberts for, because I, I was present for Eric Roberts is the fucking man ducks. I feel like I should be there for the redux. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Matt, uh, here's something. I'm, look, I'm just going to, I'm going to move in a little close. Not everyone knows this. And uh, this is maybe a little bit controversial to say. It's rare that we ask a guest back on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And if I do ask them back, they have to be good. And yes. if I don't ask them back, well, I guess you can uh, draw your own conclusions on that former guest who took time out of their busy schedules to come <laughs> on to Eric Roberts is the fucking man. No, of course, we love all of our guests, but we just love some of them more than others, which is uh, why we have you here, Matt. Now, Matt, we're going to talk about a movie about Eric Roberts in just a little bit called Restraining Order that you have chosen for us. But before we get to that, I want to ask you more generally, how's the year 2020 treating you? A lot of people not enjoying this year so much. Well, that's probably because it's a shitty year. Um, uh-huh. mm-hmm. it, uh-huh. it is worth mentioning that at the outset. You know, it's 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 a mixed bag. There are there are good things to be found in 2020. You know, I happen to work in an environment where, you know, the, the team that I work for was like, hey, you're not coming into the office anymore. And you know what? Let's kind of make this work from home thing permanent. So hey. like the silver lining for me is I've gotten to spend a lot more time with my wife, a lot more time with my dog. I cut out a really bad commute and that's awesome. And all I had to trade for that is the downfall of Western civilization. So I suppose Fair. if you want to really get to the nuts and bolts of it, everything that's going on is my fault. Mm. Mm. Well, I could see that. Mm. Uh Liam, I should say that I like Matt's wife very much because every once in a while she'll like one of my tweets on Twitter, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a very nice Ooh, thing to do. That must be nice. And you know some what, of that you know what you said. Shine. I got I got to say that as you said, the fact that you know you don't invite a lot of guests back on this podcast, which mm-hmm. <laughs> for me, uh, with that, <laughs> my wife does not follow a lot of the film critics that I know. So it is. It. Is, I mean, partially that's just your dog, but also it's high te- testament to you, Doug, that she's going to engage with your content. Matthew, you picked a movie for us today called Restraining Order. Now, normally I wouldn't do this. Normally I'd wait till we get to the actual part where we're talking about the movie. But this movie I had never heard of before. I imagine a lot of our listeners have not heard of. Actually, it was a real pain in the ass to track down. So it's not like they're going to be able to see it. (laughs) Kind of defeats the whole purpose of even doing an Eric Roberts podcast. But I want to ask you, sir, what about Restraining Order did you see and and say, you know what, that's the movie. I'm making a return to Eric Roberts of the Fucking Man. This is the movie we need to talk about. So for starters, when I you know, I I know how many episodes that you guys have done, I know how many movies you've covered. So I thought, <laughs> why don't I why don't I start at the beginning, as early back yes. in his career and mm-hmm. move forward and I'll just pick one of the first episodes, one of the fir- earliest films that you haven't covered. So I got Makes to sense. Ni- I got to nineteen ninety nine. Um, and this movie popped out and I was like, great. I just looked at the IMDb profiles for like 70 movies and all of them have already been talked about on the show. But more importantly, you know, I, in the pre-show, I said that this is sort of like a shitty John Grisham thriller, which is definitely Mm -hmm. the mood that I was in for, but I miss, I miss that. You know, we talk about this on Certified Forgotten a lot on the podcast that I do. We miss that discovery element of like going into a video store and pulling something off the shelf and just sort of getting Mm. whatever it is. And a movie like Restraining Order would have been peak, like you pull the box off the shelf, you watch it and you're like, oh, but those are the kind of experience, like these days, everything, you know what you're getting into. There's just so much more you can find. It's hard to walk on stuff blind. Restraining order was a throwback to the days where you rent something and it just is what it is. And you had to deal with that outcome. It is what it is. That's a very, very apt uh, description of the movie Restraining Order, which we will, of course, talk about in just a little while. But before all that, we need to get to the latest. There's a whole lot of it. The latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report.
It's the Roberts Report for a brand new episode of Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man Redux. We start, of course, with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter, at Eric Roberts, and I think you should. In fact, he's been tweeting up a storm lately. That's the thing about we're all being stuck at home and uh, unable to film Lifetime movies. you got to be tweeting. you got to be paying attention to things. And so Eric has been tweeting a lot. On September 24th, uh, <laughs> Eric was responding to a... Uh, to a tweet from Cameo. Now, Cameo is this service where you can pay celebrities to send you personalized messages. And one of those celebrities on Cameo is, in fact, Eric Roberts. Cameo asked, what was the best TV show theme song? Eric Roberts answered, actually, a very good answer, which is the Gary Shandling Show uh, theme song. For those who haven't heard it, I'm going to play a little snippet right here. This is the theme to Gary Show. The theme to Gary Show. Gary called me up and asked if I would write his theme song. I'm almost halfway finished. How do you like it so far? How do you like the theme to Gary show? Pretty funny stuff. Liam O'Donnell, my co-host, I'm going to ask you the question that Cameo asked out to the world two days before Eric Roberts answered it. What is the best TV show theme song? Oh boy, yeah, it's dead air. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> Man, this is what you get when you. It, I love your uh, no prep throw to the other person questions, but when it's an actually difficult question, I'm like, I don't know. I gave you an outline that told you what we were going to be looking at. Oh, here. I don't read this shit ahead of time. Come I on. no, you don't, and that's why. <laughs> that's why this is happening. I guess it's really <laughs> it's really hard for me not to say cheers. Uh, because mm-hmm. it's so like in the nostalgia corner. <laughs> I hate you. I'm not singing anyway. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, but I was really stoked as a kid on uh, Airwolf. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the one that I that I randomly hear, and I don't know anyone who actually watched the show, but can still identify what show the theme song is. Is uh, is it uh? Uh, the oh, great, oh, great, no. greatest American hero, or something. Oh, like that. Of course, yeah. Believe it or not, I'm, I'm walking, walking on air. Yeah, I can. Everyone knows that. Sir. I've like I've said that to people like, oh, you know, it's a blah, blah blah, and then they'll identify it and I'll say, yeah, you ever seen that show? And they're like, no, I've never seen that show. Like, it's yeah, but really they know weird. it from that. They know it from Seinfeld. I don't know. I don't watch Seinfeld. Oh boy, Jeep Matt, just dig me out of this misery. What do you think <laughs> is the best TV show theme song of all time? That's yeah, hard. There's a lot of good yeah. ones. Um, mm-hmm. I think the now you're obvious... a movie guy. You're a movie critic, so you probably don't even watch any television. Oh, that's that's incorrect. My wife does not watch movies, um, so we watch a lot of TV together. So I don't tend oh. to write about television, but um, I do. I do watch a, a shit ton of television with my wife because that's what she prefers to watch. TV so is so I, good right now, right? It is. It is. And there's also <laughs> there's also the fact that like it's just the math is different. A two hour movie versus two one hour episodes. It just feels different. So. It's easier to binge, but I would say, you know, obviously you could do way down in the hole from the wire because mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. because if you don't like one version of that, Hey, wait a season. There's another That's cover right. for you. There you go. If you're sort of a bluegrassy guy, like I am, you probably want to gravitate towards your serenity fireflies or your, uh, your deadwoods, <laughs> which have a good, you know, good Western kind of folk vibe. Um, yeah. And it, there's just, there is a lot, I don't know. There, it, there's the stuff that resonated with me when I was a kid, like the Buffy stuff that I watched. It's, I feel like some of the best stuff is stuff that's just like songs that they've lifted and dropped in. You're like, oh, I know this. So um, I will say though, just, I loved 
if you if you were to put me anywhere and start playing the theme song from the critic, I would know that instantly. So that's probably <laughs> that's got to be my guess. I like that. I like that's a pretty unique answer. Uh, I'm not going to to weigh in on this. Just too controversial, but I like that you guys did. Hey, if you listener have any thoughts towards what the best TV show theme song is, you can always uh, drop us a line on Twitter at Cinema Smorg. That's S M O R G. Speaking of television. There's a TV show now called The Vow, I guess, which is about uh, Liam. Do you hear about this show before? The Vow. Yeah. What's it about? Uh, that weird sex cult. I always forget the name of it. Uh, it's the one with the the lady from um, uh, Smallville. Is that the one? That oh, cult. I have no idea. I don't. Yes. I, I yes, got yeah. that. Is that right? Yes. Okay. That's right. So Eric has been watching The Vow, and he tweeted on September 19th: "The thing to remember about cults is that there are always good things." But those are the crumbs that nearly led Hansel and Gretel into the fire. Thoughts about that, Matt? I think anytime you begin a tweet with the thing to remember about cults, like, <laughs> I'm not. I just like whatever you're about to say. It's it, it's it can't possibly it can't possibly justify the lead in that you just gave it. Um, I I don't know. I've never participated in any cults, but I sort of feel like if I did, um, I would you know. And somebody afterwards was like, how the hell did that happen to you? I'd be like, well, the food was good. Good potlucks. Or like, I really like the music, you know? And then it was a bummer that they killed all those people. Boy, I'll tell you, my perspective on cults have really changed since the year 2016 for some reason. Duh. Oh, God, come on. Uh, what? <laughs> what you- this is like reliving trauma on this podcast. <laughs> Dude, I'm being 100% serious. I just mean that I never thought, you know, to me, it's like cults are... Cults draw in a certain kind of person, but that's not really the case. Everyone, I think, is wants to be part of a group with a similar thought process and similar things that they care about. And some people are willing to kind of give up every other part of their life to be part of that thing where where they feel a part of a collective. And I just didn't really see that that being able to take hold to such a huge group of people in the United States of America. <laughs> well, I, I mean, when when these things start, they don't start as a cult. Like no one yeah, starts right. like, "Hey guys, I got this idea for a cult. Like, come on in." Like, you know, think of. Uh, I was listening to uh, a podcast about uh, uh, QAnon, and they were comparing QAnon to that uh, group in Japan that did the sarin gas attack. Oh right, right, absolutely. And they were saying that cult started as a hot yoga studio. Like people went there because they yeah. wanted to do hot yoga, not because they wanted to sarin gas somebody. But over time, hot yoga becomes sarin gassing people, and it sounds ridiculous. But if you just pay attention to it, like this happens a lot. Things start as like a very like not that weird idea, and then over time, it becomes something else entirely. Now, Eliza Roberts has been tweeting a bit lately as well on this topic that we're currently on. You can follow her on Twitter at Mom Eliza Roberts. And Eric retweeted her on September 14th. She had to say, Trump has turned his voters and their children into martyrs. Attending rallies in a time when there is an infectious disease that has taken a million lives worldwide, a quarter of a million in America, that is the only great legacy left by this fake president. She does go on after that. Some really strong words from Eliza Roberts. Now, I feel a little at odds because, Liam, obviously you are a hard right wing political person. Mm. Matt, I know you are a radical right wing person. Mm. Very much. And uh, it must be must be frustrating for you to be on an Eric Roberts podcast and know that Eliza Roberts is such at odds with your own belief system. Uh, Liam, when you read Eliza Roberts with these very kind of stark words, what does it make you feel? 
Well, she's probably just jazzed out of her head from all the children she was eating that morning. And ba so, boom! With all that child blood in her system, she's just tweeting whatever she's. Uh, no, come on, Doug, come on. I, I we're, jo- we're just joking. We're just joking around a little bit, Liam, and and I believe Matthew as well. In fact, I know quite. <laughs> I know. I like how he just tried to suggest that maybe Matt's secretly a Trumper. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, like I, I I will say I don't, I don't exactly. It's a good thing that my parents don't follow me on Twitter. Let's put it that way. I, uh, I'm, I look, listeners. You can believe whatever you want, but there are things that you can believe that are right and things that you believe that are wrong. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and and Liam and I obviously our belief system has been out in the open. You can listen to any of the podcasts on Cinema Smorgasbord, and it's kind of nice actually to read that Eliza Roberts is not afraid to voice her opinion on it because there are a lot of celebrities I think that feel like it could hurt their brand. I mean, there's probably a lot of Eric Roberts fans who are right leaning and they don't like to see this sort of stuff on their feed. Uh, so it is. I like I like seeing it. It still bothers me, and I know we've gone over this so many times before, Liam. It still bothers me that Eric will still then appear in movies with a hard right slant, with a anti-choice slant, with a pro-NRA, pro-AR-15 slant. It just – it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and I, I know that we asked him right to his face and he just said that he, you know, that he was just jokingly that he'll do any movie that that is offered to him, but – Boy, it's it's uh it's troublesome sometimes. I mean, Matt, the- let's be realistic though, Doug. He did admit to us that he faked a drug addiction to get on TV. So, <laughs> you know, that's on the record. That's not a, like a well, he didn't fake the, the drug scenes. addiction. He didn't fake the addiction. That guy loves to smoke weed, so it's not sure. But not but, he was but pretending he had issues with people and playing up all this stuff and <laughs> dropping the c word on TV just to get someone upset. <laughs> well, reality television, what are you going to do? Matt, do you sometimes have to, and this I guess is a pretty uh, common question, do you have difficulty separating the art from the artist? Now, you're a film critic, and I don't know if you're aware, but in the last few years there's been a real movement towards kind of weeding out some of the people in the uh, entertainment industry who have uh, gotten away with sexual abuse and whatnot. Now, that... that made a lot of waves, but it probably made you a little uncomfortable. Not because, <laughs> boy, that was a weird way of saying that. <laughs> but it must, it must make things difficult when some of the great films are in some way tied to extremely scummy individuals. Do you ever struggle with that? I'm laughing not because you indicated that I was caught up in the Me Too movement, but, but because there, you assume that there is some cross-section of the audience for a podcast called Eric Roberts is the fucking man that's like, me, me too, what is that? Holy shit, how did I miss that? Honestly, I just thought it was so funny that a movement that literally like everybody, at least in the Western world, has heard of, and now I'm going to explain it to someone who, who right, literally is a right. movie critic. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> good thing it's you good. told him about it. I don't know if you've heard about this. But anyway, Matt, it feels like you're dodging the question. No, no, I'm ready to answer the question. Um, I know you were. It's it it it's not look, the the short answer, short answer is everybody has to kind of evaluate that for themselves, right? Like there is nobody who is perfect at who they which films they decide to continue to watch, which filmmakers or talent they decide to support. Um, and that's not a that's not a future forward thing. It's also a, a retroactive thing, right? Like the work that or the, the things that somebody does today affect how we view their films historically. I don't think that's a, a bad thing, but 
we, you know, at the same time, we always talk about the fact that filmmaking is a collaborative art and things like auteur theory have sort of drilled this down to the idea that there's like two actors and one director and that's all that matters. And on top of that, you also have the idea that, that, you know, films are time capsules. They're indicative right. of, of mm -hmm. the periods in which they were released and our ability to grapple with things that a film does in, you know, 1985, 1995, 1945, all of those have different social standards that come with it. So what I think I have landed on, which is kind of my own way of, of understanding and justifying this, is that there's stuff that I'm going to do for work, for film criticism and freelance stuff that I do, which is just what it is. I think that a lot of things that have happened before are part of a cultural conversation that we need to have. And so I'll try and address those face on. But I think these things, when they are revealed about performers and about filmmakers, they should absolutely 100% affect how we choose to support them in the future. You can't necessarily go back and look at a Mel Gibson and look at the, you know, 30 years of film and say, you know, I'm going to throw it all away. Like that's a complicated question. And it's a question that a lot of people have to answer. At the same time, we should feel shitty about supporting Mel Gibson now and the things that he does in the future. And that's the trade-off that we have to make. How do we support what comes after versus what came before? And I think there are probably what came before is more of an artistic question. What came after is more of a personal question. Liam, I like this Matt Monaco. What do you think? He's pretty good. He's pretty good. I like that. I liked all those words that I just heard. You know what else I like, Liam? What's that? Rapper DMX. Stop. Stop. <laughs> what a smooth segue. <laughs> uh, DMX is a, a hip-hop artist. Liam, you probably are aware of him, right? Because you're a hip-hop head. I mean, I'm not quite a rough writer, but yeah, I'm aware of his existence. Yeah, well, uh, DMX currently, well, he became an actor, or actually, I guess, even in the midst of his hip-hop career, he was an actor, was in some Hollywood productions. I remember seeing a film in the theaters with him and Steven Seagal, Liam. He also just did a uh, Versus with Snoop Dogg. That's right, he did. That, how did that go? You've been watching these Versus things, Liam. How was that? Uh, I only got to watch a little bit of that one, but uh, DMX is exactly the elder uncle at the barbecue that you think he is. I love it. Well, if you want to see more of DMX, you can check out some new films from The Asylum. Now, The Asylum, notorious for their release of mockbusters, basically low-budget films that uh, trade on the popularity of a Hollywood movie, usually with a very similar name, as well as the Sharknado series. Uh, they have a film coming out, a street racing film called Fast and Fierce Death Race. <laughs> no shame. No shame. <laughs> <laughs> Starring hip-hop superstar DMX. Now, that does not involve Eric Roberts in any way. But there is a film uh, that's coming out on November 3rd called Wingman Under Siege, a jet fighter action film starring Eric Roberts. November 3rd. Jet fighter action. Liam, <laughs> you know what was probably supposed to come out around this time of the year? What's but that? ended up getting pushed back. Well, there's this Top Gun sequel. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's so funny now because Asylum doesn't really need to change their release schedule. Like, you can release anything to home video. So technically, they can get the scoop on a ton of movies yeah. that they ripped off that people are going to watch. I don't know if people actually watch these movies or not. But assuming some amount of people watch them in ignorance might not realize that they're actually watching a ripoff of something else. Matthew, these mockbusters I was just referring to. Do you have any moral issue with the fact that uh, people are, are being, I guess, theoretically tricked into watching movies that they were expecting to see something with Hollywood production values, and now they're watching Transmorphers or something along those lines? Um, you know, I, 
I would love to actually see the. Doesn't data it seem like I ask you a lot of questions about your morals here? It does. I it was does. about to say, why does he get all the smart questions and I just get it's, the gotcha stuff? It's probably because I'm so right wing. Um, mm-hmm. Doug mm-hmm. once put me on the spot. Yeah. You no, know, you know, as as I was debate. thinking about the fact that we should absolutely just crush everyone who would ever watch. I don't know. Um, no, I, I, you know what? It's, it's, it's an art form in and of itself. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think, I do think that, that we think about VOD as the be all end all of the home distribution network. But at the same time, I'm not going to lie. Like there is, there are Redbox audiences. Redbox would not be a thing if, you know, those standalone DVD kiosks wouldn't be a thing if they weren't being supported financially. And I think if you're of the persuasion that you're going to go to that, like that's part of the fun, right? Like you never know what you're going to get if you tap on a thing on a screen. So I think, I, I hope that people do the homework. I hope they recognize the fact that if they really want to watch the blockbuster, that they're not watching the asylum thing anywhere. But I honestly, at this point, it's not about that. It's about people that want to MST3K the room their way through a movie, you know, get drunk, get high, watch something that's ridiculous, have a good time with some friends. The audience for the asylum, I don't think, it can't still be people that fuck up and watch right. that instead of the movie they wanted to watch. It has right. to be the people, the bottom feeders, the people that are like, fuck yeah, Asylum. I, I guess there might I, be a, a, Sorry, I, yes, Liam, please. I think we're downplaying something, which is the $5 Blu-ray bin at Walmart, which has mm. only gotten bigger, and the existence of grandmas. And if you're telling me that grandmas and aunties are not buying these Asylum movies for their uh, nieces and grandchildren thinking they're buying the Avengers or whatever it is. I think you're wrong about that. Cause when you go to these know. giant Walmart bins of movies of which you could literally swim in two humans could swim in them comfortably. Uh, Half the bin is Asylum films, and then the other half are actual blockbusters that no one wants to own anymore. It's it's actually kind of depressing. But that's what's in there is these, these fucking Asylum movies, sometimes in multi-packs. And I feel like there are definitely old people who buy those movies who don't fucking know one way or the other. I mean, I, I do think that, that probably the truth lays somewhere in the middle. <laughs> what a terrible thing You're to say. You're such a but- moderate... No, but I really do think that that's the case, where you're right, Liam. I'm sure there are still a few aunties who are out there picking up movies, getting confused why the Avengers ended up uh, in the uh, $5 bin when it's just some, like, the Avengement or something along those lines. But I do think that Matt's right. I do think there's enough of an awareness now that no one really thinks that Transmorphers is Transformers or that, (laughs) uh, what is it, Atlantic Rim is Pacific Rim. Well, maybe that one. They did catch a few people. But I do also think that there's an element where people will see the Hollywood version and then they'll know that the Asylum one is out there. And it's like, I know this is going to be shit. But I'm curious about how shitty it's going to be. And that's enough for some people. Hey, generally, it, it... it's enough for me. Uh, I mean, I'd be at least curious, but I will say that once you watch a few of those Asylum movies, that curiosity dissipates pretty quickly. Hey, Matt. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, I'm, I'm seeing what's next, and I'm wondering what the segue is. Matt, erectile dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he's known on the streets. So... Right wing, uh, right wing guy that can't get it up. That's that was basically my rep all throughout high school. This uh, this is our ad for Blue Chew. <laughs> uh, it's no. Uh, so on the last episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Redux that Liam and I recorded, we found a strange article that mentioned the these um, quote unquote boner pills. <laughs> Sorry, like uh, Viagra ish, uh, not pills actually. It was actually a, a system 
that is meant to help men with erectile dysfunction. And it had tied Eric Roberts and Eliza Roberts into the advertising with some really terribly translated quotes. And at the time, I think we were both left wondering, what the hell is this? Someone just have pulled in Eric Roberts' name into it? Well, since then, it's become clear that Eric Roberts is promoting a device that zaps a man's penis with sound waves to cure erectile dysfunction. This is from an article from Uproxx. Uh, there's also, I guess, a kind of, of uh, cobbled together from an article on the Daily Mail entitled, Would You Try Zapping Your Penis with the Rocket? This device, it's a wand that you put up and down like your penis. And when I say up, I mean just like, I guess, alongside of it. <laughs> it works by sending sound waves through the penis to encourage blood flow and the creation of new blood vessels. Eric Roberts appeared on Australian television to promote the rocket for erectile dysfunction. Now, look. I want to make something very clear. We are not laughing at the idea of erectile dysfunction. It's something that people struggle with. It's something that people are looking for ways to address. However, this fucking device called the rocket sounds hilarious to me. And the idea of Eric Roberts promoting it is also hilarious to me. Way more hilarious than him uh, advertising walk-in tubs. This is like something to get your dick working. Liam, thoughts about the rocket? I, hmm. I mm-hmm. just can't believe that this doesn't do some sort of permanent. There has to be some permanent damage done with this fucking thing. Because here's the deal. If you could promise me there's no permanent damage done with this thing, I'll blast my dick with sound waves. Sounds fun. I'll give it a try. Why do you need like a device? I got speakers. <laughs> I've got heavy metal music. All I'm, say- All I'm saying is it's it's it, the idea that like kids steal some viagra just to give it a try and think it's funny or i know people who've do kids do that oh yeah i know i know both kids and people who are too old to be that easily amused who have done that before and Uh, you know whatever that sounds fun that that sounds like a good time um i just think the rocket i just i as soon as it's like blasted with sound waves i'm like no that doesn't sound right that doesn't sound like a thing i want to have happen to my body i mean i don't even like the idea of doing that to any part of my body let alone my jimmy jam like i just don't see how that's attractive to anyone even with the strong endorsement of eric roberts who very strongly endorses this thing in a way that makes me slightly uncomfortable (laughs) uh even with his strong endorsement i think I, i would pass you know were i in the the depths of erectile dysfunction and normally i would try something like that for fun but this just sounds weird and possibly painful liam can i can i ask you a question yeah do you ever think about your daughter listening to the show when she's older Nah, not even a okay. little bit. I okay, mean, here's the, here's the deal. If she does listen to it when she's older and she's like really deeply offended, I'll say, well, Maeve, when we were in the store and you lay down on the ground and yelled, I'm going to eat my own booty at the top of your lungs, that was embarrassing for me. So now we're even. How about that? Ah, mutually assured destruction, a good weapon in any father's tool. Belt. Yes, yes. Matt, Matt, before I get your thoughts on the rocket, I want to mm-hmm. tell you about something, which is that I'm looking at a YouTube video right this very second. It is 48 minutes and 26 seconds long, and it is an interview with Eric and Eliza Roberts uh, about the rocket, and it's called Put Some Spunk in Your Junk with the Rocket. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm mostly looking at this because I wanted to see what the rocket looked like. Uh, it looks like a futuristic dildo is really the only way I can put it, or perhaps a attachment for a vacuum cleaner i'm going to put it up on the 
uh, outline, so you can take a look at it yourself. Just one moment here. So you'll see that in the bottom, on the bottom right. Uh, Matt, can you see that at the moment? Oh, there it is. Yep, there it is. How would you describe in the bottom right what the rocket looks like? Uh, it looks like uh, Darth Vader's electric shaver. Yeah, that's great. Uh, that That is very accurate. Uh, Liam, your thoughts. What does it look like? <laughs> what does it look like, Liam? <laughs> oh, man. It really depends on which end that you're focused on. That's true. Uh, I, you know, I could to to make it less, uh, you know, uh, suggestive. Uh-huh. If, if you if you told me that was a laser for removing tattoos, I would believe that as well. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it, yeah. But, but honestly, if it was if it was the other way around, it would probably be a little less suggestive. Right, but they definitely have one end does look like the the end of a dildo, and so, um, yeah, I don't know who would see that and go like, yeah, jazz up my junk, let's do it. I think it's like you got to think of it like a wand that you wave back and forth. Matt, if there was some music that you could use to give you yourself an erection, what music would it be? That's not the question I expected you to ask me. Is the follow up to that? Uh, well, you know what? Sufjan Stevens has a new album out today, so he sure, does. Fuck it, fuck it, the Ascension. Let's do it. Yeah, Liam, you're a big fan of Sufjan Stevens. Would you use his music to promote blood flow in your penis? And if you were, which one of the albums? What'd you do? Probably six, not Carrie and Lowell. Seven Swans. Seven Swans. <laughs> no, I was about to. I was seriously. I was about to say probably Seven Swans and just cry the whole time. I'm just <laughs> sitting is. there shocking my cock, crying. <laughs> You're putting spunk in your junk. In fact, not even Seven Swans. Let's just do the Transfiguration song. Let's just really. Yes. Let's just really go against all mores and just be sitting there, you know, lost in a cloud. And just all over my dick. That sounds great. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is Trudy Sargent's film My Redneck Neighbor, starring Eric Roberts, Courtney Gaines, uh, Bai Ling is in it, as well as Cat Ling. And this movie is described as an Asian-slash-Chinese woman living on a busy hillside road suddenly finds herself being bombarded by, quote, swamp people moving in next door. So I discovered this movie a few days ago, and it sent me on a, uh, boy, a real journey of trying to find out what the hell this thing is. And it it was so strange. Liam, you probably saw some of the tweets about this. Oh, I did. So this movie is the I was actually briefly nervous that this was what, because I hadn't seen what we were covering for this episode. And he started (laughs) tweeting this, and I was like, is this what we're fucking watching? So Catling is the star of this film. And she, a few years ago, she made a movie called Rice Girl, uh, which actually had Pat Morita in it, even though this movie came out in 2014 and Pat Morita died a decade before that. Um, so this movie that that we're talking about, My Redneck Neighbor, also was filmed a few years ago. You can tell that from footage that has been shown on her Instagram. This woman is very interesting. She has a YouTube channel that has hundreds and hundreds of videos going back like 12 years. And most of them have like 10 or 15 views, and they are almost all lengthy right-wing diatribes. And I am not being funny now. They are off-the-wall, uh, very intense right-wing rants. And uh, and I guess she is now transitioned into making movies. And she has made a number of these movies, both The Rice Girl, and she plays Rice Girl in this. She is a, an Asian-American, and she also has done some short films under this character of Rice Girl as well. And if you go over to her Instagram, you can see a uh, 
I don't know what it's supposed to be. It's Eric Roberts in character as one of these rednecks. And I don't know if he's improvising or what it's supposed to be. But honestly, watching all of this together was quite unnerving. It was actually a little bit unpleasant to watch. Matthew, what do you think about my redneck neighbor? I think that if um, if Doug Tilly says something wasn't pleasant, I will never, ever <laughs> go near it, ever. I've seen the shit you watch. If you say it was kind of unpleasant, then that is forever blackballed in my household. I, uh, I don't like to say mean things about people on any of our podcasts, and in particular, Eric Roberts is the fucking man. That's but, the Canadian in you. You're very Yeah, polite. maybe it is. Maybe it is. Or maybe it is the concern that someone is going to get mad at me. <laughs> I don't like that. But this Cat Ling person seems like not a cool person, and I'm not a fan of having, having watched some of her videos. She seems like really unpleasant. But Liam, unlike Matthew, you and I will be checking out My Redneck Neighbor. Why is that? Um, because I haven't yet figured out how to talk you out of it. Because, oh, we, mean, made because blood, we made a blood oath, right? Blood right. oath, a blood oath, right, there you go. You remember the blood oath that we made to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. It's why we're here today. It's why we get to enjoy movies like 1999's Restraining Order, which we're going to come back and talk about right after this break, which is going to happen right now. We the jury find the defendant not guilty. Defense attorney Bobby Woodfield just won another case. Thank you, Counselor. But the man he cleared of murder... You owe my people for a lot of bad days at the track. ...is about to kill again. And he's the only witness. Good evening, Counselor. If you won't turn him in, I will. You're going to open a door you don't want to open. Now, the people he's up against... I want to know what's going on. ...can strike anywhere. Can kill anyone. We know what they're capable of. Can do anything. He's connected everywhere. I've warned you there were bigger forces at play. I gave you every chance to walk. And it's up to this defense attorney to uncover the truth. Evidence is the last thing I'm worried about. That will bring them to justice. You got some playground code of honor. Academy Award nominees Eric Roberts and Dean Stockwell. Restraining order. When a lawyer discovers his client lied to avoid a murder conviction, the mafia terrorizes his wife and him in order to keep the secret. It's Restraining Order from the year 1999, directed by Lee H. Katzen. Actually, the final directorial work of Lee H. Katzen, who had a lengthy career in television. He filmed, uh, sorry, he directed episodes of shows like Mission Impossible, The Mod Squad, Miami Vice, literally hundreds and hundreds of television uh, shows, and almost no movies. Like, there's some TV movies, but no, like, uh, movies that even went straight to video. But he decided, I guess, to put all of his efforts into Restraining Order from the year 1999. Um, and and written by John Jarrell, who also wrote this is this will interest you, Liam. Romeo Must Die. Remember that movie? Oh, I do. I do. I know you do. Well, we're not talking about that today. He also wrote Terminal Invasion, the film with Bruce Campbell, and he did a uncredited write on Stranglehold, which is a video game sequel to John Woo's Hard Boiled. Uh, yeah, it's actually you know it, it's in canon. The stuffed tequila from Hard Boiled. He's got more stuff in his life, and it was uh, it was explored in Stranglehold, the video game. Uh, he also wrote The Man with the Iron Fist, too. Uh, so this is a movie. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. Um, it does feature Eric Roberts in the lead. Lots of Eric Roberts content on this, which I was very, very happy about. Also has supermodel Tatiana Petit as uh, Eric Roberts' wife in the film. You might recognize her as a supermodel, but also she was in that video... Um, 
for Freedom by George Michael, the Freedom 90 video, uh, that which has all the supermodels. And Dean Stockwell shows up in this as well. It's all awfully exciting. But first, before we get into the nuts and bolts of things, I want to get what everyone's thoughts on this movie were. Starting with our guest today, Matt Monagle. Matt, what did you think of Restraining Order? Well, what did I think of Restraining Order? Yeah. Um, you know, it was it, one of the things that I was thinking as I was watching it, and I can't remember. I can't remember who s- said this. Some some smart person said this. Um, I think about the time when we were grappling with the idea of cops and television. Is that one of the things that 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 we have done as a society that we've done media and television have done is that we've vilified the defense attorney. Um, and that's something that's happened gradually over mm. years and years and years. Defense attorneys are people that are just in it for a buck that have no morals. And so I was kind of pleasantly surprised watching this to see the film try and present Eric Roberts's Robert Woodfield as a guy with morals. Like he has people that come up to him off the street and be like, I'm so glad you took that case for the battered women's shelter and yada, yada. <laughs> so like, it's, it's interesting to me that this movie, yes, it's super generic in a lot of ways. And yes, there are, there are so much stuff in here that you're just like, are they still punching? How can they still be punching? But there's, there's like a little thread, you know, and as film critics, especially as people that, that deal in a lot of trash sometimes it's those little threads those little pops of an idea where you're like oh there was somebody somewhere in this process along the way like poked their head above the water and was like oh what if he's actually a good moral ethical defense attorney and everybody's like oh interesting and then they just went back to what they were doing but that was (laughs) that was the impression i had is like it's interesting to see a film you know and, and again which makes it sort of like the john grisham light model that it is it's interesting to see a film that has a defense attorney that treats the defense attorney as somebody who is not compromised in his values and that kind of has him be or at least pretends that he's a sympathetic figure throughout it's nice to see that instead of you know i kept waiting for the ending where he's like i'm gonna become a prosecutor now like, no <laughs> no his worldview is totally validated it's interesting that they set him up at the beginning because the first thing we see with him in court is him defending someone who I mean, in in for anyone who's watched movies before would recognize mm-hmm. that he is defending someone who is guilty, and you know, and he's doing all the lawyer tricks, and he is he's playing it exactly like you would expect a movie to to play, where it wasn't going to give him that that kind of dimension afterwards. So you're right; it's nice that they they kind of fill that in later to show that he's not just a scumbag. And your uh, your your points on the. Um, the way that defense attorneys are shown generally are, is it's an excellent point because especially if you're used to watching uh, t- television shows that feature a, a lot of, of courtroom action in them and there's a lot of those shows and I think we're all thinking of the same ones. Yeah, defense attorneys are generally shown as being immoral. Uh, Leah, I will say I will say though that having said all of that as like a defense of the movie and like the fact that it has an interesting idea, I also wrote down at one point in my notes, "La, my one weakness." So that's the kind of movie you're in for here. <laughs> uh, Liam, I'm going to read you a review from Letterbox, the uh, social media site uh, where people talk about movies. Uh, this uh, this person gave Restraining Order three and a half stars. Ooh, and they say this is Keenan Tablin says. Eric Roberts is a wicked, cool attorney who's being pursued by the very man he represented for murder. There's a scene where he jumps on a giant strip club marquee and swings it down on the top of a van while being shot at. A-plus filmmaking right there. Liam, what did you think of Restraining Order? I didn't love it, Doug. I didn't love mm-hmm. it. There right. are Okay. There are aspects of it I love, for example... Uh, the length of Eric Roberts' hair, which uh, I would good. say we'll talk about. We'll talk about the hair. You you table that for now, sir. How about the width of Eric Roberts' pants? Oh yeah, he has some big ass pants for 1999. Uh, well, let's I, go ahead. Can I ask because 
you guys have clearly watched a lot more. I should hope you watched a lot more Eric Roberts than me. It'd be really fucking weird if you hadn't. <laughs> Do his suits ever fit? Yes. I'm trying to think. You know Sometimes. what? I think in the specialist he had some nice looking suits, mm-hmm. but uh, but I don't know for sure. Look, he he wears all sorts of stuff. It, it's just in this particular movie, it looks like he's drowning in the suits that he's in. Right. Well, I but that's like. So many of the films that I've watched, even the stuff that I got that I've watched for work that weren't this, and I'm just like, how did I end up with an Eric Roberts movie? Is Doug the person assigning me this? Like <laughs> he's just he just he wears suits that are like two times baggy. I know that's kind of the style of the 1990s, but at the same time, the dude is cut in this movie. So somebody somewhere, do him a favor, man. Well, I mean, these days he's probably bringing his own wardrobe to set. Yeah, let's be sure. totally yeah. honest. Uh, I, but back in 1999, hey, tailored suits, Liam. No, but that's what I'm saying. This the his look in this. And not just him, the look of everyone in this, this movie was not was neither written nor filmed in nineteen ninety nine. I refuse to believe it. There's just no way. This has to be from another time. Because by ninety nine, I just don't think his pants would be looking that way. I just don't I just don't think that's true. Let alone would he have a mullet quite of the glorious nature. But we'll we'll get more into that later. But that that was one aspect I didn't mind so much. Um I also think the the uh, so there's kind of two villains in this, right? Uh, but the villain who is the actual hitman, whose name kept it. Oh, Martin Ritter, played by Hans Yannick. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Hannes Yannick. Yeah, it's something like that. Some, close. Something like that. Um, I'm, I, that dude's not a great actor, but they used him. He's just always a re- like. He's relentless. It is constant harassment, and it goes from zero to sixty so quick that <laughs> I just was really amused by it. And I, again, I don't think it's meant to be amusing. So maybe this isn't a, a compliment on the film, but the 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 speed with which he's just like, I guess I'll just start kidnapping and murdering people. It just was awesome. Like I just loved it so much, and it was one of the aspects of the plot I very much enjoyed. I also very much enjoyed that underlying what is. Uh, as we've already said, you know, low grade John Grisham knockoff or whatever. Um, there's a there's a deep concern about um, development and exploitation of poor people in the development of these cities, sure. and uh, a lot of what they were saying, you know, in a plot that is almost entirely unbelievable. The underlying thing of like he did all this because they were going to sell this property to people in another country who were probably going to sit on it and not even do the development, all this, whatever else was going on. I was like, this part's very real. This is ripped from the headlines, actually. Right, right. Like there was a lot there that I thought was um, way more in touch with the world that uh, in a movie in which Eric Roberts basically confronts a man on live TV. <laughs> and, they go. Right. and that's that, that contrast is really interesting to me that like all the actual plot beats were like just, pull it out of your ass ridiculous but the but the overarching thing that is like the the backstory to what's going on was like almost prescient and a little too real like a little too much like up oh, that's it's that's still happening that's still the world we live in and th- that was almost a little like too much for me but i, I appreciate it in this movie um, how fucking ridiculous is it liam that like that the culminating moment with dean stockwell going on live television so <laughs> they have a show with an audience that goes out live on this television channel where a guy is just announcing his <laughs> the fact that he has purchased up all this property or that right like like who could possibly be interested enough to watch this I mean the only way that you could interpret that is this is like some cable access shit so <laughs> Eric Roberts 
big speech at the end is going out to like four people that no one cares about. But then there's this whole thing. It's like, you got to get downtown so you can get live on television because this is going to be, you know, the crux of the $200 million deal. It is fucking ludicrous. Anyway, please continue. Well, that was I was going to say those those are the best parts of the movie for me was the, those aspects uh, and you know Dean Stockwell is cool just cool seeing Dean Stockwell period yeah. but but uh, but a lot of it is is not great um, yeah it, it's just it's not great I will say the other thing I really liked about this movie and I'm I'm surprised that I'm feeling so positive about it when after watching it I was not feeling positive about it is that they um, Eric Roberts reaches out to somebody on the advice of his friend who is a cop and gets murdered later in the movie. Um, And we are supposed to suspect that he's actually going to turn at the end. And in fact, that he is going to go and kill Eric Roberts wife and they tease it and they tease that he's the bad guy. And then at the end, it turns out he was good all along and he stops the bad person from actually killing the wife. And I think that in a lesser movie, they would have thought that that would be enough just to be like, Hey, this guy that you thought was good. He was bad the whole time. Look how evil we're being. The fact that they did kind of a double turn with it, with a tease that actually was just supposed to play off of it. Hey, you know what? It's it's not a lot. It's not brilliant or anything like that. But I thought it played out really nice that, uh, especially because the person who did try to kill his wife was a female prison guard, which was, you know, a little bit less likely. I like how it played out. I like the bait and switch. I also like that the last half hour of this movie, for some reason, just turns into an action movie after mm-hmm. like zero action for the yeah, first. Yeah, none hour at all. Like nothing but, happens. That's like I mean, that we, level. we see him boxing in like 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 you know boxing with a friend, sparring. But the fact that it then turns into like look constant action shootouts on on a, a merry-go-round and people hanging off buildings and fist fights and anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. I do want to say before um, before we do talk about maybe some of this action, Matt, were there any performances in this that stood out to you outside of the man himself? Um, you know, I well, I gotta give credit. I gotta give credit to the man himself. So there's some stuff in this movie clearly that doesn't work, um, and it doesn't work no matter you know you can say it doesn't work because of Eric Roberts or the script, like there are just scenes that don't work. Right. But I was actually kind of impressed. There are moments for Roberts in this movie. In particular, one thing that kind of stood out is when they, um, you know, when he's at trial or at a sentencing hearing for a young USC black student. And sure. the judge is like, fuck him, no bail, whatever. And Eric Roberts has this really impassioned speech about how the only witness is a white store owner who probably was trying to get good in good with the beat cops. There are maybe this is just the courtroom element of this, but there's a couple of monologues in this movie, especially when Roberts gets to gets to talk at people. He doesn't have to interact with people. You know, the cast around him is hit and miss at best. But when he gets to deliver a good legally monologue, he really shines. Um, And that's important because I no, there's not really. I mean, you know, (laughs) Dean Stockwell is Dean Stockwell. You're never going to be sad to see him in a film. But, you know, he's they're giving him like. This is a movie that thinks that there should be a foot race with Dean Stockwell. This is not a movie that understands how to use Dean Stockwell. <laughs> I do think Eric Roberts is very charming in this movie. Particularly, I was trying to get a bead on what the movie was, was wanted us to think of his character because mm-hmm. of that that segment with him in the courtroom. You know, it starts out with him stopping someone from robbing a restaurant and so oh god what a weird cold open that was isn't it i bet i bet me just saying that just reminded you too that it even happened in the movie yes i wrote it down and i was like (laughs) and i I like circled it four times and then as soon as the movie was over it was gone 
Well, that was but, a, that was again when I thought that this movie felt more mid '90s to me. Like it felt very much like that anxiety where it was like people are just going to go crazy and just shoot up places. Like that whole scene, I was like, "What is this?" And the fact that he like was funny and charming while he took the guy out, I right. was like, "I don't know what I was supposed to think of this jerk." And that's why it's so strange that after that, it just kind of settles into you know a fairly benign tale of like mobsters threatening him and his family i do have to say that the actress who plays eric robert's wife i think is not good in this i mean i think she's struggling a lot and she doesn't have a lot to do and i feel bad kind of uh, insulting her it is that whole part of the plot i feel like that part it just really feels strange when it happens in the movie also i don't know if eric roberts can defend his wife as a lawyer uh i don't know if that's legally something you can do any thoughts on that liam can you defend your uh, your uh, partner uh, in a, a legal proceeding. I'm not a legal expert, Doug, but I don't know why you wouldn't be able to. Well, I don't know. Maybe too many emotions involved. What do you think, Matthew? I will say that one of the things that um, that that is interesting and frustrating about this film is that it tries to present law as the battle for the first hour. It tries to present law as the battleground, right? Like the people are going after Eric Roberts' character through the law. They're not like they're, you know, they're not coming at him and like blowing up his house or anything like that. They're trying to use his profession against him. They're right. trying, like there's an interesting plot point where the first character, the, the, the bad guy that he gets off, um, he has make sure that the court takes out a restraining order against the police for him because they, he felt that his civil liberties were violated. And then later on when he's like, go after him, they're like, well, we fucking can't because you took out a restraining order on us. There, right. there are, again, there's these moments in the movie where it's like, Oh, so you're going to show the laws, this two edged sword. And then you have stuff where he's basically like, you know, I, I the deus machina of like, I recorded you and I'm going to play it on cable access television at 11 PM. <laughs> and you're like, okay, so what was, why did you even bother with all that? Like stop being half smart, be all dumb or all smart. The part where he films himself and his wife having sex. Oh, God, yeah. And he's like, looking at the camera. It's like, this films everything we do. It's like, have you never heard of a video camera before? It's 1999. It's like he's so shocked at what the technology is going to allow him to do. It was so hilarious. And I love the fact that when his wife has been arrested, the way that he uh, reminisces about them together is to watch a sex tape that they made. You know, know, counselor, pornography is illegal in the state. (laughs) This isn't pornography. This is art. I love that they love that line so much that they put it Twice. in later when he watched Twice. it again. Um, you know what, Liam? I think at this point I do want to talk about Eric Roberts' hair. So Eric Roberts, I would his hair in some of the movies that we've covered on this. He's he sported cornrows. He sported uh, on near buzz cuts. He's short. He's sported basically a lion's mane in the first best of the best. That's closer to what he has hair here. Hair boy, I'm all confused, Liam. Talk to me about Eric Roberts' hair in Restraining Order. It is, it is. I, Doug, would you say this is the 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 ultimate of the Eric Roberts uh, mullet formations? I mean, like I brought up Best of the Best because that's yeah, that's sure. the other one I think sure. about. But like this is Best of the Best level, maybe even a little longer. It is magnificent, and it's. Almost impossible to believe that even a defense attorney would be allowed to rock that level of majestic hair and have anyone take him seriously in the 90s. Like, it's just so much hair. It, and and it's it's flowing in the wind while he's running and he's climbing buildings and things. And 
Whew, it's it's just but again the length of the hair has me really questioning when this was made because i just don't know if he was rocking that level of mullet in 99 or not do you think there's any ties to the fact that his hair is that long and like four major fight scenes take place in water do you think the producers were like oh look at look at that head of hair let's get that slicked back as quickly as we can here is the only thing liam that i'm going to use to push back against your theory that this movie was sitting on the shelf for a few years, which is that there is a scene where Eric Roberts goes into Dean Stockwell's office and Dean Stockwell's talking about the internet. And he's like, you can't even date without email anymore. And uh, I think that that suggests that the internet is so common at that point that people are using it for something as crazy as dating. And that seems more like a 1999 thing than a 1995 thing. I don't know. I'm looking at pictures right now of Roberts from 99 and, I just don't think it's possible he had that hair then. Look, folks, if you anyone has any uh, any more information about about Eric Roberts' hair or the the state of it in 1999 compared to the mid 90s and whether this movie may have been sitting on the shelf, please let us know. But Matt, I want to get your thoughts your thoughts on Eric Roberts and his head of hair generally and his hair in this movie. Um, you know, I I like that he's not precious about it. I like that that his hair has traditionally been all over the place a little bit, and I think that in this film. It it it's it feels like it honestly feels like it's a buildup for his angry shadow boxing scene where <laughs> he gets where he gets to like sweat it out and he's shirtless and he's doing like the whole pseudo Bruce Lee thing. Um, by the way, I'm not convinced that Eric Roberts can throw a fucking punch after that. I really, really Eric Roberts was taught how to box by Danny Trejo for the film Runaway Train. I would thank you very much. That's that's where Danny Trejo made his acting debut, and uh, and he must have done a good job because he convinced people that Eric Roberts was a good enough fighter to get the best of the best series. Uh, And even to this day, people think that he's a great action hero, even though I think you're right. I don't know if he can't throw a punch. I'm angry that I didn't get to do that one because it was set in Alaska. So thanks for bringing that one up again. Um, Clearly, unquestionably, the best of the Eric Roberts movies, um, Runaway Train. But yeah, like I I feel like I, I. I don't know. Like, I feel like the fact that they're that he has like a sweaty boxing scene and like water fighting scenes, they they got the most mileage they could have out of that too. Maybe it's just that the, the stunt guy had a big fuzzy wig, and they were like, the only way we're going to be able to match this up is if you grow your hair out to ridiculous extent. Would that be the the, the saddest thing ever? Is they're like, uh, your stunt double won't cut his hair, so you have to grow yours out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, Liam, did any of the action in this movie uh, impress you? I mean, I not at the level, not at the level of like you know an actual a action movie, movie <laughs> but seeing him run around at the end, yeah, it was fun. I mean, you know, I, I, I think it maybe was a little much for him. Yes, he boxes his lawyer, his nerdy lawyer friend, but yeah. uh, but he he gets pretty actiony there towards the end where you, you start to have to think like could this character even do all of this? Like he's just doing a lot, but there's nothing in it. That's like super. I, I actually was thinking when he, um, basically gets beat up by Ritter, you know what I mean? Uh, and Ritter gets the, the tape. Uh, it's, uh, I was watching that thinking like we should, we should sorry we should explain that that <laughs> Eric Roberts videotapes Dean Stockwell basically um, admitting to everything and then he takes the tape and then the the big bad in the movie the the mob guy he he's the guy who yeah 
gets to jump on him and destroys the tape. He'll the, never have that sex tape back. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. But the thing about that that I thought was interesting is um you know, at this point, Eric Roberts is considered a bit of an action star in his career. And so th- I was thinking about the action stars now who, like, won't look bad. You know, how many people who are known for doing action would let themselves look so pathetic in a movie in which right. they were getting beat up? I kind of thought, like, you know, how, I, I'm surprised he wasn't like, well, at this point, can I just do, like, one spin kick, though? Like, let me just get it. You know, that instead he sort of, you know, believably gets his butt handed to him. If you yeah. want to, if you want to think about how much the archetypal action actor has changed in the last twenty years, Eric Roberts was forty three when he made this movie. This year, your forty three year olds are Tom Hardy, Ryan Reynolds, and Michael Fassbender. Like those are the actors that are forty three. Think about the movies that they're doing, and think about the kind of action scenes that they're doing. And it was just like, it's just, it's just a different standard. And The Rock is even older than forty three. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a different world. Uh, but hey, you know what? We're, it's Eric Roberts' world. We're just living in it. You already talked about, Matt, what you thought about Eric Roberts in this movie. But I want to get a little bit more on that in just a second. But let's start with you, Liam. What did you think of his performance in this movie? I mentioned that I thought that he had kind of an easy charm, that he did uh, deliver some really strong monologues, as mentioned by Matt. Uh, what did you think of him overall? I thought he was great, actually. I really think... Um, I don't... <sighs> It's hard because the few things I could say about it is just the way the role was written, you know? Right. Um, but I think he owned it. And I think Matt really insightfully pointed out that when he doesn't have to talk to other people, <laughs> when he's just delivering these <laughs> monologues, he's very good, actually. And, and it becomes more believable that this lawyer could be that successful even though the whole concept of a of a defense lawyer who doesn't need facts he just talks the jury into it has always kind of rubbed me the wrong way as like the worst kind of fantasy about right. the, you know what you could do but it, you kind of believe it in this movie he's he's pretty compelling um and 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 uh and like you said he does get to do some more uh high impact things towards the end of the film and and, and he's pretty good at those too so I, I don't know. It's it's not the best Eric Roberts performance or anything like that, but it's pretty solid, especially for a film that is so obscure that, uh, as I pointed out on Twitter, this is the genre of film where the photo of Eric Roberts on the DVD is not from the movie. <laughs> like it's, I, I actually looked it up. That's a picture of him as Beanie Siegel, you know. But uh, but if they put restraining order over the picture of him from another movie, then who 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 will know? No one will know. You know, that that's the sort of movie this is. For mm. that kind of movie, he does a pretty good job. We, we've seen a lot of films, uh, especially over the last 15 years or so, where Eric Roberts, I mean, I think it's unfair to say sleepwalks through the movie, but it's either him entertaining himself or uh, showing up maybe for a couple of days and there's just no time to give a full performance. Whatever you say about the quality of this movie, this is a full performance. He's, you know, he does envelop the character. I think he gives him a very... Uh, believable level of charm uh i think that he carries i mean he carries the movie right i mean there's there's really nothing else going on here where you're thinking about boy you know if someone else gives a great performance that there's these the great kind of of um written i mean look it's not a terribly written movie but i do think that a lesser actor would me would mean that this movie has almost nothing to recommend it i think that if you are a big eric roberts fan hey maybe check it out because eric roberts is good in it and there's a lot of eric roberts to see in it and because of that wonderful mullet that he has within it but matthew what is your final takeaway from the movie restraining order 
Eric Roberts, how good is he in this movie? You're a professional movie critic. We're just schlubs. We don't know what we're talking about. I want to hear what a professional movie critic says about Eric Roberts in Restraining Order. Uh, well, um, what a professional movie critic says about Eric Roberts in Restraining Order <laughs> is, you know, I think this is I think this is a really interesting litmus test for Eric Roberts and for people that might be introducing him. Like, this is a film mm. where he plays a full character with full range of emotions. You know, he is he's playing this leading man role. Um, he's probably about 10 years older than the role probably calls for on paper sure. which is fine mm-hmm. but i think i think this is interesting to me because there the there are moments you can see you can see the career that he could have had right like you can see the version of eric roberts that that leans into sort of his character actor core essence where he's a little bit colder where he's a little less emotive and could have spent the rest of his career playing variations of sort of like a tough guy and a smooth talker and it's just clear that he was never interested in doing that. He likes to play characters, you know, right? Like he likes to he likes to play, he likes to be the leading man. He likes to have kind of like full-fledged characters in here. So the thing that I walked away from is yes, Restraining Order is a it is it is the dime novel version of a John Grisham novel. Right. But it's interesting to see that this is kind of a point. And I think you could probably make an argument that there's a three, four, five year span here where his career went from what it was to what we now think of as Eric Roberts, who is mm-hmm. the fucking man. And it's it's interesting to it's just it's one of those like uh, you know one of those missed opportunities or or maybe not missed opportunities but one of those op- options where you can see because he gives such a, a, a there's so much depth to this performance you can see the the gears that really really work for him as an actor and you can see the gears that don't work for him at all and you just you wonder what have happened what might have happened if somebody along the way or if he himself had said I work best at these gears I'm just going to only take roles that work at these gears. I'm not going to like, I, that's it. I am a character actor from here on forward. I play these types of characters. I have a narrow range, but I'm good in it. And he didn't do that. And for the first time since watching these movies, I kind of saw the character actor that he could have been. And it's, it's a little bit of a bummer that, that, you know, probably not as much fun for him as an actor, but he could have continued to do a lot more A-list and even B-list material. I think if he resigned himself to playing a fraction of the type of characters he normally does. What could have been with the career of Eric Roberts is something I think about quite a bit. But, hey, you know what? I like what we have with Eric Roberts as well. That does bring us to the very theme of the podcast, which we are all a part of and that which you listeners are listening to right now, which is whether Eric Roberts is the fucking man in the year 1999's restraining order. Starting with you, Liam, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in this movie? I got to go with yes. It's a hard decision because... um even though this is a great performance, I really didn't love this movie overall. <laughs> so I, I, you know, it's one of those ones where we're giving it to him, but I kind of, I kind of wish I didn't, ha- I didn't watch the movie. That's sort of where I'm at. But, uh, but yeah, he he holds a movie together. It, it, imagining a version of this movie without Eric Roberts is just like imagining, you know, dry oatmeal that I'm choking on. You know, it's he he is he is what makes the movie good. <laughs> Dry oatmeal you're choking on. Well, that really isn't a uh, recommendation for the rest of the movie. Matt, what do you think is Eric Roberts the fucking man in this movie? As I choked on the dry oatmeal that is Eric Roberts, I thought to myself, this is going down smoother than it could have. So <laughs> I am going, I think, I think that based on this performance, um, I think Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I think that this is, I think that there's a lot going on here. You know, again, it's about what you're going. If you're going in to watch a legal thriller, you're probably not going to walk out happy. (laughs) But if you've made a blood oath to watch every single Eric Roberts movie in existence, I can't see a world in which you come out of this feeling like this one was a complete waste of your time. And that's entirely due to him. 
well, who am I to stand in the way of Liam O'Donnell and Matt Monagle? I'm going to say that Eric Roberts is, of course, the fucking man. We all agree that in the year 1999's Restraining Order, a movie that is, I think, of of middling quality, maybe not total dry oatmeal, but certainly something that, that was I'm probably going to forget about uh, quite quickly. I think Eric Roberts is the clear highlight. I think he gives a really strong performance in a role that really didn't need it. Uh, and yeah. it, again, if it isn't, the, the movie is almost impossible to find, but if you do track down a VHS tape or maybe a DVD of Restraining Order and you love yourself some Eric Roberts, which you must if you're listening to this episode, then yeah, you should check it out. Matthew! (laughs) I need to thank you so much for taking time out of what I understand is an incredibly busy schedule, and I say that on every episode, but this time I actually mean it. This has been a very busy week for you, and I really appreciate the fact that you said, fuck everything, wife, Go away. It's Friday night. Instead of spending it with you, with our very valuable time together, I'm going to spend it talking to Doug and Liam about Eric Roberts. Matt, again, thank you so much. Where can people find you online and your work? Yeah. So uh, first of all, thanks for having me back. This was a, a lot of fun. You know, it's 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 one of those things where you just you, you give yourself over to the insanity and you have a great fucking time. Um <laughs> You can find my work. Follow me on social media, basically on Twitter, which is Labsplice, L-A-B-S-P-L-I-C-E. But I would encourage you to seek out Certified Forgotten, which is a podcast that I run with uh, my friend and fellow film critic, Matt Donato. We dig up movies that have five or fewer reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, horror films, I should say. And check out some of the work that we're doing, or I should say that our writers are doing over at CertifiedForgotten.com. We're trying to um, turn lemons into lemonade and, and give an opportunity for some new voices to find their way into the horror sphere through, um, you know, a little, little baby, little baby publication, little baby startup. And, uh, we've published some stuff we're really proud of. So lab splice on Twitter, certifiedforgotten.com. Well, I've got some great news for you, Matthew. Uh, the film restraining order only has two reviews. (laughs) (laughs) Can I, can I do another podcast on this movie? Easily, just try to squeeze try try to squeeze something out. Uh Liam O'Donnell, we all know where you can be found on Cinepunks, but where else can you be found and what's going on with your life? Don't you have some shirts you're trying to sell? Yeah, uh uh I do sell t shirts, Doug. Uh Roughcut shirts.com. Um you can also find us at uh Roughcut Shirts on Instagram. Um we just uh we just dropped a uh a uh Saturday morning cartoon uh, triple feature with uh, Return to the Planet of the Apes, the Godzilla Power Hour, and uh, Hanna-Barbera Superheroes tote bags. So uh, people can go check that out. Like I said, it's roughcutshirts.com. You can, of course, find Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. You can also uh, follow me on there. It's Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. But what you really want to do is get your ass over to cinemasmorgasbord.com where you can check out our array of podcasts focusing on not just Eric Roberts, but actors as diverse as Jackie Chan, as Vic Diaz, as Carol Kane. We've got a whole bunch over there. Why don't you go check it out? And if you want, you can follow us on Twitter at cinemasmorg, S-M-O-R-G. Give us a little feedback. Why don't you recommend some other topics for us to cover uh and you can of course also follow eric roberts is the fucking man the classic uh eric roberts is the fucking man podcast at e-r-i-t-f-m or go over to eric roberts is the man.com if you want to check out old episodes of that but with that said hey gentlemen it's time for us to say good night once again we'll be back very soon with another eric roberts classic good night everybody bye night
the three disciples to the mountainside to pray. His countenance was modified, his clothing was aflame. Two men appeared, Moses and Elijah came, they were at his side. Prophecy, the legislation spoke.